Welcome to Adjust Radio. Today's episode is made possible by a group of students from the Altering Practices for Urban Inclusion, an elective that took place in June 2022, in which the students had an opportunity to interview Antoine from Comuna and understand a bit more about their practice and the impact they're doing in Brussels' urban environment. Enjoy. So, my name is Antoine. I work for Comuna as a head of development. Uh, this is the title that I gave myself a week ago, but basically I'm working in new projects. I'm developing the new projects for Comuna. Okay, great. So could you tell us more about the history of Comuna? About the, the history and the goals. Yeah, yeah. The, so Comuna is uh, 10 years old, nearly. Uh, it started in 2013. By was launched by five students uh, who started their uh, their studies. They were 18 at the time, and they were just wanting to live in a different way. So they heard about the practice of squatting, and then little by little they heard about the possibility to sign a contract for a big tower in uh, XL. It was a, an ex-office uh, tower, and so they got a six-month contract with this, the owner of this tower, and so there were five people for an 8,000 square meters tower. So they started to live there and very quickly the, the community grew and there were 20 people to grow to live there. And then they also had a um, shared kitchen for refugees. They had parties, they had artists having their uh, ateliers there. Um, and then after six months, they had to find another place to live and to move all this community. And so they went to another building and then another building. And then at some point they opened two buildings because there were too many people for the size of the new buildings that they, that they found. And when a few years later, in 2016, when they stopped their studies, they thought, okay, now we could have a job. What are we going to do? We are future lawyers, maybe polit- uh, um, engineers. What are we going to do? Are we going to work in our fields or are we going to pursue the adventure that we started? And so in 2016-17, that's when they, part of the founders decided to actually professionalize the project and offer the service that they had built, like make it a service, this expertise that they had built for themselves. And so this is when the, I got into Comuna in 2017 and uh, uh, that we started offering this service of temporary use to other people and mostly with the same idea. So there was two main axes. The one is housing, living, uh, and the second is a uh, mixity um, uh, of user, users in the same building. So there was housing and kitchen and artists, and now it's, you find the same things in our DNA, which is like we provide housing in every, as soon as we can, um, even in difficult buildings, but we also provide like bike ateliers, offices, artist places, uh, sports, uh, everything, and sometimes also cultural events or bars yeah. but this is not the main activity that we have there so it's mostly what's, what's you, what, what is needed so you yeah, search yeah. for what is needed in Brussels and then you for try sure. to every time I mean it depends definitely on, on the building itself on mm-hmm. the, its typology like there are some buildings that are more convenient to organize a party place some more for housing some more for offices mm-hmm. so it really depends but also indeed like 
every time that we go into a new neighborhood, we study the neighborhood and we study their needs, the needs of their inhabitants. Mm -hmm. And so we try to fit those needs. Uh, and basically for the little story, in 2017 we were six people and in 2022 we are 20 people and we, are, we keep growing because I think the city needs projects like ours. Yeah. Of course. Um, can you describe some of the on ongoing occupations you have now? So we've been to La Serra and we've been to Maxima as well. So if you can explain a bit what it's about and maybe tell us about like previous ones maybe. Sure, I mean we've occupied uh, about 20 buildings right now so uh, there's a lot of um, stories and, and, uh, and history. Uh, all the details are on our website if you want more but I think um, yeah I think Maxima is one of the greatest examples because it really has everything uh, of what we like to do it has housing for uh, women that are victims of violence so when they have to escape their home they can find a place there so there's 15 women so it was two floors of uh, office spaces that we turned into a communal living place so they have each their room shared bathroom shared kitchen and living room uh, and those those women are accompanied by Sami Social so it's like uh, social support mm -hmm. um, and then in the same building we have sports places we have a rap studio like hip-hop music we have some artists doing visual arts Uh, we have a place that is open to the neighbors to come and have a drink. Uh, we have uh, a big hangar uh, where youngsters from the neighborhood come to learn to do roller skates. We have office spaces. We have um, handy places like, you know, workshops. like yeah, workshops and stuff like woodwork, metal work. And we have a lot of associations like very diverse, like Ecole de Dois, we say, like uh, help for homeworks. Mm -hmm. for the youngsters of the neighborhood uh, yeah so so many different things and it's it's fun to have this all concentrated in the 6,000 meters of the building and we try to com to create a community in this building so that means that each little pole of activity has their own decisions about their space because they are very separate but twice a year we also organize uh, general assemblies gathering everybody together to meet and also to take some decisions And we also try to organize some cultural events, so like um, flea markets or uh, fairs, fancy fairs of, uh, in the building. And so it's also a way for to take the people out of the building on the street. So we book the street, we close it to the cars, and it's a way to party with the neighborhood. Yeah. <clears throat> I have a little question about a woman who stay there. Do they have a key to get inside or because... Yeah, 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 for sure. It's their home, so it works yeah. as a home. It's as oh, a, like yeah, here. Yeah. So not 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 that any people can go in. Just they have to like get the permission and come no, 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 no. I mean, it's their home, so they decide who they invite in their place. Okay. Obviously, it's sort of a colocation. You know, mm -hmm. like there are 15 like a shared shared apartments. Yeah. So they have to like if they want to make a party every day, they will have to deal, but with, only with their own roommates. Oh, not yeah. it doesn't we gave them the keys oh, yeah. and okay. they have the right to do whatever they want. It's their place, it's their home. Okay. So there is a key, so they are safe. Yeah. But they have the key, so mm -hmm. I think some of them have a, a lover who they invite <laughs> from time to time. Uh, okay. So that's that's one of the the projects. Another project that I found very interesting was also at the Tripostal next to the midi station. 
There we couldn't organize housing, but it was more of a party place. Uh, was used um, became quite of an underground but a bit avant-garde place also that was dedicated to LGBT sector. Like uh, was a lot of parties questioning the genre question um, um, and organizing yeah parties. I think it was the great the great word for this. Um, we have another place is, which is uh, hangers. And uh, it's a Kuregem, uh, so it's a bit of a derelict uh, neighborhood where, like, it's like precarious. And then we have in one hangar we have a woman that is uh, making a restaurant for lunch, and she uses all the money that she gathers, she's African food, to actually support her community of women. So thanks to the money that she creates there for with the restaurant, she tries to create a women's group mm-hmm. who come from Africa and who have some trouble getting settled in Brussels. In another hangar, we had some modular living, so modules made of wood for two homeless people who lived there. So it was a hangar turned into a living space. So it was quite interesting in terms of architecture. Um, and then we had also some um, interesting experience of a circular uh, economy, so people could bring some material, get some credits, some, some local money, and then with these credits, they could buy other materials that they could find in this hangar. So it was a bit of a second-hand material shop, but for free, no money bought. Um, so you said when you start a new project, you usually like study the neighborhood and see what the need is. Can you please like walk us a bit through that like process? Like how do you exactly do that? How do you like communicate with those people? What is like your plan basically mm. usually? In French, we call it ancrage local, mm-hmm. so local anchorage or local settling uh, it, it's, it's, it's a process that takes a long time mm-hmm. I think it takes at least three years yeah, to sense. really so it's a year to study the neighborhood and, and the people and get in touch with them another year to really establish the trust between the people and then the third year is really the year where you benefit from all this work where the connections are being made people trust you they come they use the space um, they propose activities and mm-hmm. And when we propose things, they also like them. And so we found probably the right space to work together. Um, and so I, I think the best way to, to do, I mean, there are two ways. One is contact every single organization, uh, NGOs in the neighborhood. And usually it's quite obvious. You contact the municipality, you ask them who is active in this neighborhood, and you call them and you meet them. And you ask them, hey, you explain who we are, what we do. Do they need space, extra space, yes or not? What they do, and it's a meeting like this, and so you have face-to-face contact, and then you at least can um, very quickly see who is going to be interested by collaboration with us or not. That's the first thing. It takes quite a lot of time, but it's uh, field visits, I would say. And uh, another thing is to organize big uh, food parties, so like barbecue, usually halal, uh, because we work in... Uh, like. Uh, immigration neighborhoods so if you are sometimes vegetarian even and food free food is a good way to establish a communication with the people yeah. that's the first like, mm-hmm. like how we get to the people and then it's a long term work to keep meeting them proposing projects yeah. uh, making a little party again and then we also use all the the literature that is available so the, in Brussels um, there is a lot of uh, um, urbanism, uh, how do you say, 
the road urbanism like uh, yeah. etudes so there's like uh, urbanists who study the city and they make studies yeah, about it and uh, and so they provide usually provide a lot of knowledge about every neighborhood mm-hmm. so you, you can see ah there's no uh, public space in this neighborhood yeah. people kids don't have a place to meet okay so we're going to try to create a place that does this but I can imagine this is a bit difficult when you have like a temporary occupation that maybe you don't have three years, right? Sometimes you don't have three years to like occupy a building and keep it. So I can imagine sometimes it's more difficult to be able to like reach out and then create a project and then be able to launch it. There's, there's a moment that when you get the credits that Comuna has, mm-hmm. now we don't look for buildings anymore. They so are proposed you, to us. Okay. And so when the people need us, we can also have a set our conditions. Okay. So our conditions now, since we offer professional service not only to the users of the building but also to the owners of the building, which is that we secure the building, mm-hmm. we heat it, we repair it when needed, we insure it. We, you know, when the fluids are being used in the tubes, it makes it because if it's not used, it usually gets derelict yeah. in a year. One winter is enough to destroy a building. Um, you can say we want to use it for at least that amount of time. And usually we ask for three or four years, and we also want money that comes with it, uh, because our service has a cost. Like it's a lot of human power, so yeah, it's, yeah. it's it, yeah, it requires money. That's why we usually work with public owners rather than yeah. private. Yeah. By the way. So uh, we've been on your website and we've read through it, but uh, we noticed that there's like this new housing project in Monenberg. Uh, that you're advertising or you're asking for recruiters to come help with the project. So is that usually something you do? You always, when you have a new project, you get like more people for that specific project. And how, like, how does that work? And can you explain a bit more about it as well? So it usually works that. So I, I usually develop the project mm-hmm. as the developer of the of Comuna. So people come to me with a proposition of a building. I visit it with the technical director who says, okay, it's going to cost that much to refurbish or renovate the building. Uh, and then we create the vision and we try to find money. Either it comes with the owner or some, now we have also good connections with the public authorities that give us some funding to do some housing projects, for example. This, this works well uh, nowadays with the housing crisis. Um, and once the whole thing, the whole package is set, we ask to the team whether they agree or not, because usually a new building, as you mentioned, is growing. Yeah. Growing, yeah, the team grows, so because we have to hire some people. So freelancers usually. No, uh, when we hire people, it's we become employees. Oh, so the, it's, you always grow your team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. We never work. I mean, with some very specific things, when we need advice, we work with uh, freelancers, or yeah. when we need some food, we work with a chef that is not part okay. of our team. Uh, but otherwise, when we open a new building, we hire the team that needs to to work on it. And what we try now, we've done twice, uh, probably something that I would call a mistake, is that we hired a totally new team for a new building. Mm-hmm. And we didn't realize that actually our work is very specific. We are creating our work, so that means that nobody knows how to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah. like, I don't know, if you need a project manager for a banking project, there are thousands of those, so you can just hire yeah. the right person. But for temporary use, there are not so many people who know the work. Yeah. It's very specific. And so now what we try to do for Molenbeek is that 
we're going to hire a totally new team. No, we are ha going to hire three people. Out of those three, one is already working here mm -hmm. uh, for two years at the Tripostal that has now closed in Gare du Midi. Mm -hmm. So the person is going to transfer to that team. And for those two new people, so, so this is the technician, and for the coordinator and the person who's going to be in charge of the community and the ecosystem and the connection with the neighborhood, we're going to have two people from another project to come and support them for the first six months. Okay. One or two days a week. So that means that they're going to, uh, yeah, like they're going to learn the job on the field, as well as on the. It's, it's fine, huh? like if you need a bit more time. No, it's still <laughs> we're still on fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay. Um, no, you can continue if you. No, that's <laughs> it. Uh, um, yeah. No, so the, this new team is going to be supported. Yeah. By so it's usually a small team if it's like three people that are launching this new project mostly. So. Um, I feel like it's it's a smaller team team relatively for a big project, right? Or is it in this case, it's sixteen apartments. Okay. So it's okay. The, the actually the team in the, the, experts, okay. the, the the project Sorosité. So the this Molenbeek is a new project. We have a very similar project in the municipality of Ever. Mm -hmm. Those these these people are going to support them. In this team, there is sixteen apartments, and they're going to raise to. 23 apartments because mm -hmm. the project works well so the owner decided to give us more apartments and they considered that with the current team of three people they could go up to 30 apartments okay. so and then if it grows more we would need to hire another person yeah. so that's for housing for apartments is this is the what we say for buildings like the Tripostal or Maxima that we have seen I think we have now a team of three, four, four and a half people, it's not like it depends on the time. I think we could easily have seven people working on it. There's so yeah. much work. Uh, and we don't want to do the bare minimum. We also want to provide a nice service yeah, to the people, to the users of the building, but also to the community outside of it. And it's yeah, it, but we don't have enough money to hire yeah. all these people. So as you mentioned before you said like some, sometimes obviously you make mistakes because it's a learning as you go process sure. there are no not a lot of experts in the field and you're learning like when you do a project you learn like what are the challenges what are the mistakes so can you maybe tell us more about some unexpected challenges you faced with like project and also with people you deal with so hmm. so yeah uh, challenges I think one challenge is the people who are not cooperating, mm -hmm. uh, so users who can be quite difficult to deal with. They think that they that the comuna is useless, so they don't collaborate. There's a lot of people who are not used to to the community aspect of a project. Uh, usually we have more requests for space than a space available, mm -hmm. so we're, one of our criteria to choose people is to say, who wants to share a space? Like you will prob most probably not get a private space, so yeah. who wants to share it? And then our society, I don't think, is used to collaboration and to like sharing and and to dialogue and and compromising, uh, and therefore it creates tension. I think that's that's a big challenge that we have to deal with. Another challenge is. Uh, uh, being very enthusiastic, accepting projects for too little people who yeah. get exhausted. We had some burnouts in, in our team and I think this is something really to avoid. Yeah. Um, and another challenge I think I would say would be the, the 
Mm. How can I say this? It, it, it's being overcome lately, but I think it's been, it, it took it some time to convince everybody, owners, public authority, uh, that our, our work is useful and that it needs to be financially supported. Yeah. So now it's, we do projects, usually the money comes, probably not enough yet, but at least we can pay some people decently, not enough yet either. But, and I think it, it takes some time for the mentalities to change. Yeah. I was going to ask you about some misconceptions people have about like not only Communa but organizations like Communa. So as you were saying, some people don't trust in it, don't trust it, or think it's maybe doing something else or something they don't understand because they never like dealt with it. Mm -hmm. So I think yeah. 15 years ago, people would consider our practice, although it was it wasn't existing the way it exists now. It has changed mm -hmm. definitely, but they would consider as a squatting with. Uh, You know, in French we say punk à chien, so uh, uh, punks with uh, dogs taking drugs. Yeah. That, that would be only this, although for sure it wasn't only yeah. this at, already at the time. And now people don't associate temporary use and this image at all yeah, anymore. they have a distorted image of what? Now they see that it's something useful, everybody's yeah. convinced that there is a lot of buildings to be used, that they need to be used, that money needs to be uh, invested in, in this practice, that it can answer a lot of crisis like now there's the ukraine crisis yeah. we've been called into the first line to occupy places to host ukrainians so you see that it's something the ministers have heard of us yeah. so definitely the, the work is easier now than it used to be yeah because your name is known like we've been here in brussels not for long and we know about commune as well so good news Yeah. <laughs> Have you been able to do something about like the Ukraine crisis? Were you able to provide? Something? We're discussing it. So okay. we got a lot of propositions from owners from the region, um, uh, but definitely it will uh, um, it will start a big growth in our mm -hmm. team. So we're 20 probably. Yeah. If we accept an, a building like this, it would double our team. And since we work horizontally in yeah. terms of governance, it's a big challenge for us. So we're discussing it. We should take a decision next week yeah. about this. And I guess the answer will be yes. Mm -hmm. And once the answer is yes, I think the uh, implementation of this will be fast. Mm -hmm. But we're still chewing on it, digesting. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. yeah. So the biggest problem of like growing your team and maybe doing all that work is fine. It's like resources. You don't have the money for it, right? It's gathering... Resources that will come with us with, with, if we say yes to the project the yes. money will flow in so that's not the problem the, the, real, the real question is we take care since horizontal governance requires trust mm -hmm. trust is easy to build when you're 5, 6, 10 harder when you're 20 yeah. even more difficult when you're 40 or 50 people mm -hmm. and since we took care of this this is really also part of our DNA and it works very well now with 20 people like we trust each other I mean, there's some trust issues, of course, I, I, like everywhere, but I think we deal with it in a respectful way towards each other, and I think this is, like, it's, it's great. Uh, and do we want to put this at risk yeah. with this growth? Yes or no? If we grow, how can we preserve this, take care of it? Like, it's a little birds that we need to take care <laughs> yeah. of, this horizontal governance, yeah. Yeah, it could also sometimes like a small disadvantage could be that when you're like a smaller group as well, um, I would say like it's easier to get maybe not lost, but 
not be able to see sometimes the full picture because you've been so used to working together and then you don't have new people giving mm. maybe some new intel into the like project would you say that's something you do no remember? i think i think we have the chance have that diverse group maybe yes you know in, in our core we have very curious people mm-hmm. who are always for example one of us just uh Uh, left for, for for nine months. He went to do a Europe tour of uh, all the temporary use communal uh, community land trust projects in Europe, and so he came back with a lot of uh, food for thought. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, that allows us to to keep growing. So, no, I, I wouldn't say that. I think there's this, this curiosity in our team to do that, but it's mostly yeah, just to to grow in respect for the team. So, um, do you, so now, would you say you're like content with how you're presenting people and uh, how much you're like actually doing for them? Like, what is the feedback you're getting back? Are you feeling like you've also, like you're you've some you've somewhat achieved your goals like that you wanted at the start? Is that something? No, I think our goal is when the whole city of Brussels and maybe the whole of Europe is built in a more inclusive way, solidary way. There's no, there's no, no, I mean, my personal, I am very ambitious and I think some of the founders also are. Uh, so I think we should never stop. There's like, no finish line. No, yet. there's no finish line. Once we... Once the whole land of Brussels is owned in a cooperative way, yeah. uh, with people deciding for a lot of things in their neighborhoods and so on, like I think in a municipal way somehow, maybe I can die <laughs> restful. Uh, but so that's if you ask me for the grand scheme of things. But uh, however, I can also die tomorrow. Uh, in terms of work uh, because I think that you know like we have achieved something first of all we have a lot of fun that's the main elements for me of our team like we laugh a lot there's a lot of care a lot of respect a lot of inner growth thanks thanks to this work and also and in combination because sometimes you can have all all of this and then you don't produce anything Mm -hmm. but the other hand The other side of the thing is that I see now that people take us seriously. So I wrote it yesterday in the thing that we are funky, original and serious. Mm-hmm. So people know that they can trust us. And I think this is an achievement in terms of your work. Is yeah. that people ask for something, it gets delivered in a quality, qualitative way and fun. And I think this is essential. Um, so do you usually collaborate with other organizations? You mentioned that, I think. So how does that usually work? Are you like interested in that? Or are you more like, um, I don't know, forced sure. to sometimes work with other organizations? I mean, we constantly collaborate with our other organizations because they are our users. Mm-hmm. So definitely when we work with them, when we host them, we learn from them. Yeah. We learn from their practice, from their sector, you know, food, housing... Um, environment, cycling, mobility, all these fields of all these sectors that we host, we learn from them. So that's a first type of partnership. And then, yes, the, the, the biggest partners that we have, I would say, is the social workers. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Because we, we are active in the social field, but we, we are not social workers. So we have to collaborate with those platforms to accompany the 
the people that we house usually. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yes, we were very keen to discover new people. Yeah. Mm. And before I asked about the funding, but do you usually get the funding from like private organizations who are giving you place or it's no. from the government? Public. It's always public. What I'm used to say is that we share the same DNA than yeah. the public authority. Our mission is to serve the common interests, yeah. like them, yeah. like they're supposed to do at yeah. least. And therefore, they it's natural for them to support us financially. Once the private organizations, are like we could try to work on the social responsibility of corporations or companies, we haven't tried it. I mean, we're not from the private world, so we yeah. don't really know their vocabulary or their work. They work hierarchically, usually, yeah. or vertically. You know, like all these things. It's a bit different, so it's, the communication is not the easiest. We're trying, mm-hmm. slowly, and I think in five years we will have a lot more connections in these sectors. But, yeah. Okay. I have just uh, two questions. So, the, before the last question, uh, I wanted to ask you about Bashako Center, if you have like an opinion on that. and Because we, when we were looking at, the, um, there was this article, and Kamina signed the article that said they were against like the occupation that is happening right now that doesn't include housing. So, um, like, in light of the homeless like, crisis in Brussels and how many, like, how much housing is needed, how would you, like, like, what would you say about that project and how are you trying to be different from it? Like, what is... I mean, we wrote this article, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think everything is said. Uh, it's building that has been built to host people yeah. in need, you know. Uh, hospital at first and then uh, a hospice for old people. Uh, why, why do you think it, that's not what it's like doing right now? What is the problem, you think, in Brussels that is not allowing like these places to be housing places? Some people told me Uh, and they are in the high positions of the owners, like the CPS, mm-hmm. who's the owner. They told me we won't do housing because we don't want precarious people to be in that neighborhood. So not, that's exactly what it's they NIMBY, not in my backyard. Yeah, yeah. So because I, I, I obviously called those guys and say, hey, what, what the hell are you doing? Are you crazy? Yeah. Like this is bad for your image. It's bad for the people. It's like. And this building is going to be empty for years, so it's like, and he said this. So after, you know, I had to dig, and yeah, and after at some point he said, NIMBY, it's a bit NIMBY, yeah? Uh, and what so. they, ad- they advertise that they're trying to help the neighborhood and do what the neighborhood needs, and also as well they're not, so they're doing the opposite of what they say. So Check the people who are there, I mean, they are not living there, no. they don't do any good to the neighborhoods. Uh, they good they do good to themselves. It's good yeah. to drink beers. I'm not against drinking beers of and course. having fun and entertainment. But you could have exactly the same activity and people people living on the first floor. Yeah. We have a great example in Paris. Uh, we had the Grand Voisin project. Yeah. I don't know if you heard about it, but it's basically it starts with 600 migrants living in an abandoned hospital in the center of Paris mm-hmm. uh, for for f- a few years, for three four years, and then. The, the people who managed those, the, the, the organization who managed those people and supported them asked for two organizations a bit similar to Comuna that are called Yes We Camp and Plateau Urbain in France mm-hmm. to come and make this place a little bit more 
nice and a bit more used because they only used a part of these uh, uh, 40,000 square meters in the heart of Paris. And so they turned it into a place with a restaurant, with a camping in the heart of Paris, with artists' spaces, with architects' and offices' space. And it became the greatest place to be, both yeah. for the pe Parisian people who came here and have a drink, but also for the people who could, could actually meet French people through this. It was a super mixture of a lot of critics as well. But beautiful project and uh, super inspiring. So we were proposing basically the same thing for Pacheco. Yeah. Uh, and since this guy told me not in my backyard, we yeah. didn't even apply to this call for application. So you would say like the main issue is having bad people in power that are like uh, taking advantage of bad, the spaces. I think this guy is probably very nice, but <laughs> he has this is uh, like uh, yeah he has his agenda. I think probably that if they host uh, 80 people in this building or 100, they as a CPIS will have to pay their the minimum allowance, uh, you know, that they have to pay to the yeah. people who are uh, uh, registered in their municipality. Mm -hmm. And that kind of complications, and they say we have enough poor people in the municipality of, of Brussels, probably according to their view it's true, I don't yeah. know. In the meantime, there are still all these homeless, all these migrants, all these people who live in non-decent decent way so which yeah. it's probably okay for the rich people who live in this neighborhood to accept a little bit more people around them that's what we've been told like as well before it's because brussels is now so accepting that they have homeless people that they're not like trying to fix the problem anymore like it's so normal that there are homeless people in brussels so what's like what's a bit more of like homeless people so you could say that when you go to the piétonnier next to bourse and the broker that there's a lot of drunken Yeah. But if you leave them drunk with no home, no activity, no reinsertion program, of course they're going to go somewhere and do some mess, you know, yeah. and be drunk and aggress people and so on. But if you do, I think, a program where they're actually serving the beers at the bar downstairs yeah. and having some workshop at the back doing some whatever stuff, this is, you know, a holistic program mm -hmm. that helps them get out of their shit. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so I think that was one thing when we got the interview with that guy. And the other question was when we made the technical visit of Pacheco, mm -hmm. that basically they told us that there is only one point of water. That, so the water comes from one uh, tap in the whole building. Mm -hmm. And they didn't want to make any more works to get water in all the bathrooms and all the rooms and so on. Uh, and also for the evacuation, yes, and also for the heating. No They, they didn't agree to make the works that were needed. Yeah. And we said, but we can get money from other sources to do the work ourselves. And said, no, no, this is forbidden. And so we say, okay, so then we don't apply. And instead we did this, um, yeah. this uh, public mobilization on this newspaper. It's, you know, this is the kind of obstacle that you will still get for a few years. And then it will, in five years, and the guy, the president of the CPS, mm -hmm. is the ex-échevin du logement in the city of Brussels. Okay. So he's the guy who's supposed to be, and then I, I read a quote two days ago from him, uh, housing and dignity is a priority, blah, blah, blah. And then, and then he's uh, yeah, impeaching it in this, in, this, this, uh, in this building. So I think in five years this type of positions will become unbearable for those politicians yeah. who say one thing and the opposite when they change position. It won't be possible anymore. Yeah. This is, now there's Ukraine, in a few years there's going to be all the climate migrants who will come to our cities. Yeah. Um, 
So are you optimistic? For, oh, for I guess sure. The last question is, are you optimistic for the future? And of what course. are your like, plans? I mean, optimistic for the future. I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't doubt that there's going to be billions of migrants. Yeah. Uh, I heard a few days ago that uh, in 2050, there's going to be 2 billion migrants because South America, India, Pakistan, Africa is going to be un unlivable, mm -hmm. too warm and too humid. I don't know if it's true or not, but <laughs> so optimistic. Yeah. What I mean, <laughs> I'm not, I'm, I, I, I don't judge anyway. I think what happens, happens. Mm -hmm. If people have to leave their place, they will have to leave their place. If they come here, we will do our maximum to have a nice shared life, you know. <laughs> If some people have to die, they have to... I mean, I, I, don't, I don't have a moral judgment of this. on this. I just think, yeah, uh, we'll do whatever fits best for the people that are involved in our community. Thank you so much. You're welcome. <laughs> this is everything. So, yeah, you can stop it. <laughs> Actually, that was the... Insult 